You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Wine capitals of the world. The city of Napa today sits at the heart of that imagery. The Archer Hotel rising on First Street in some ways symbolizes the fulfillment of what for many has been the lifelong dream of making Napa a world-class city. But it wasn't always that way. Napa was once, as many of you know, a blue-collar town, part of a manufacturing world that included places like Kaiser Steel and Mare Island. I think it's safe to say that if the Napa of old were in Michigan or Ohio or Pennsylvania, it would be boarded up. Main Street would probably be windswept and deserted and an homage to days gone by. Today, we have the luxury of talking about that old Napa in the context of ongoing change. And we're going to do that today with my guest, former Napa Superior Court Judge Raymond Gadani. In his retirement, he's taken time to write about his life growing up in Napa. The book is entitled The Adventures of the Squeezebox Kid, and it is my pleasure to welcome Raymond Gadani to the program. Judge, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to have you here. Why did you want to do this? What made you want to uh, go back and uh, relive your youth and write all this? Uh, a, f- a few reasons. I uh, wanted to leave something for my uh, children and grandchildren, but also after retiring, I started uh, Class of 64, which was my graduating class uh, men's club where we would get together every quarter and have breakfasts and that led to reminiscings and um, after reminiscing so much I started writing down these things and then I had a this club gave me a host of people I could interview when Mm -hmm. I had questions. And when you started looking back at it and started looking at old Napa I mean it had to strike you at particularly at that point how dramatically the place had changed. I mean, we could go back to a lot of cities in this country and look back at days gone by. Some of them would have changed a little bit, but here it's changed a lot. It's, that's true. Um, the, what impressed me, and I never forgot, was when I went away to college in the uh, later 60s. And um, when I got back, it just, <laughs> it just seemed like my town was so different. And, you know, there was the clock tower and brick and gone were the, uh, the buildings I love, the buildings like the Napa Valley, uh, the Napa Music Store where you could enter on Main and exit on Brown and the Napa City Bakery and Samson and Rossi, the Bigelow Building and the Migliavaca Building. They were just, they were gone. And um, I, I, my attitude back then in my young 20s was they've wrecked my town. Since that time, of course, the changes that have come much later uh, I actually have embraced. Uh, there's, you know, Napa in the old days, it, it, the city shut down at five, except on right. Thursday nights at nine, it stayed open. Otherwise, now there's a nightlife, and I, um, for most part, I, I enjoy it. There's really a, almost two sets of, as, as I understand it, two sets of changes that, that really happened. There was the original Napa that you grew up in, and then a whole bunch of changes that happened in the 70s. I mean, you talk about the clock tower and the Carruthers building and some of the other things that, would, that happened with redevelopment and a lot of changes. And then, of course, the current wave of changes. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And it's those changes in the middle that so many people didn't like necessarily. Yes, yes. What was it that, that people didn't like about that? When you came back from college and you saw, as you say, they wrecked my town. Yeah. What, what, what was it that was different at that point? Well, I, I was a, a young man then, and I think it was just different. I, I didn't like I try, but I tried to like it. I just mm-hmm. didn't like uh, the old buildings I was familiar with. The, the simplistic uh, familiarity that I had uh, was just gone. 
Talk a little bit about the people, the community, the, the way that changed over time. Well, Napa was a, a kind of a sleepy town. Everybody seemed to know everybody. Um, there was like it seemed like one store for everything you wanted. Like if you wanted toys, there was a toy store. If you wanted uh, ships to build and plastic models, there was the Carl's Hobby Shop. If um, you wanted uh, music, there was a Napa Music Store or a Damos. Um, it was just. Uh, just simple uh, stores. The people were uh, kind of blue-collar, hard-working people. Things weren't so organized. Uh, you were able to go out and play and 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 be with your friends and their parents. Mm-hmm. You uh, didn't have to have play dates worked out. No days in advance. Not at all. <laughs> you just went outside and played. And you, in some cases, like my own, my my mom would make me go out. It's, it's a nice day, Raymond. Go outside. And then you didn't have to get back till, you know, whenever she told you. Talk about the neighborhoods back then when, when you grew up. Where were the neighborhoods? What were they like? What was the makeup of the neighborhoods? Well, for uh, you know, I talk from my own memory. I was in what was called Little Italy. It was East Napa. And uh, I was on an edge of Little Italy, which was on uh, 3rd Street and 4th Street. It was um, to the east of uh, Soskal, you know, where the Depot Hotel uh, Mm -hmm. restaurant was. And uh, that went all the way up to, I would say, lower Alta Heights. Um, I I actually had a map drawn of it in in the book. Uh, It was, you know, it it took care of uh, 2nd Street and 1st Street, again, east of... um, what is now Soskal, and uh, went up to lower Alta Heights. Mm-hmm. And the other neighborhoods? Well, I I um, I remember the Westwood neighborhood, Shipyard Acres, which was uh, out was was in the mm-hmm. South County, and it was a uh, I think built as a temporary housing uh, f- f- for World War Two, and um, and then but they had a whole school and a post office there and everything. That was a set of kids that had come from. Uh, the Midwest and Oklahoma and places like that. And a lot of my friends were there. And then there was Westwood. And then you got out north, which was the new area when you got to um, uh, nor- uh, Bel Air. Bel Air was brand new. Um, I, I was around to see it being built. And then, of course, on the uh, north northwest, that's where you got to those um, streets with women's names, Carol Drive, and right. things like that. Right, and Browns Valley came much later. Yes. I mean, that didn't even yes. exist in the Yeah, that days. was just beautiful rolling hills country. Mm-hmm. And as things started to change, was there resistance to change back then? Did you hear people that had been here when you were growing up say, oh, they're ruining it, they're doing this, they're doing that? Are, like, are you talking about the redevelopment? The redevelopment, yeah. Yeah. I, I was really away uh, to college and law right. school, and, and my first job was in Stockton. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure, like anything, there was uh, people. There are people that hate change, and right. Pe- but somehow there was enough uh, enough votes to put it through. What were the politics of the town like back then when you were growing yeah, up? Yeah, it was very law and order town. Um, if um, I remember uh, a friend of mine, Joe Peatman, uh, told me once, uh, uh, he's older than me, and he told me as a young lawyer, he said, this very law and order, Ray, if there's a robbery, uh, there are um, uh, blockades put up on town, <laughs> all over town. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a very law and order, and, and it seemed like justice was 
based on a personal favor. I mean, you would, the, the lawyers that knew the, the older lawyers that knew the old, the, the judges would just walk right over to the chambers or uh, they would uh, bypass the deputy DA and go see Jim Boitano. I mean, it was just, uh, it was, it was, it was done that way. Right. And when you look back on that now, talk about the pluses and minuses of that. I mean, obviously, it's hard to imagine that in the context of the way the you know criminal justice system, the legal system works today, that, that you were part of for so long. But there was a certain charm to it, without question. Yes, no doubt. I, I was sort of on the outside looking in because I was a really young lawyer. So when I would see um, the judge say to a, a district attorney, uh, well, the defense proposes this. Do you see any reason we should do this? And the prosecutor would say, no, that was the end of it. I mean, it seemed like an, it, things happened unfair. On the other hand, I got a lot of criminal appointments to help me pay the light bills. And I knew it was because the judges knew I was young and starting out. And they would do that. So, yeah, it, 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 there was good and bad. <laughs> It's certainly a fun time. What about the other politics in terms of like city councils and mayors? And what were, what were the issues? What were the, were the debates about back then? I, I really think I'm too young to remember that. I, I, uh, I remember uh, uh, Harold Moscovite and uh, the barber, Mr. White, and um, uh, Gene Norris. Uh, he was a neighbor of mine. And uh, I, I remember them. I I. I I'm sure they were conservative. Well, I mean, the amazing liberal. thing is, I mean, obviously, you know, you're still here, but I mean, even those that were older that are still, I mean, Joe Peatman is still going yes, strong. Yeah. Um, you know, Harold Moscowite was on back on the board of supervisors up until, you know, eight years That's ago. That's true. They so, made their comebacks. They made their comebacks. Absolutely. When you were growing up, what was, what was the fun for kids? What did kids do besides, you know, going out and play, as you said? What was, what was there for kids to do? Yeah, we... It, we we uh, did all s- sorts of things. We if you had a bike, that was a lot of independence because you could go all over town, and you would uh, be able to meet your friends. For me, it would be Alta Heights. I'd go up there, meet my friends, and it wasn't planned. But you would always see someone. Um, you would get up in the morning and head over to the school, and then you'd see who's there. If there was enough to have a game, you'd have a game. If there wasn't enough, you made up your own rules. Like you would say, all right, uh, right field is out. You, anything that right field is, uh, is, is an out or it's a foul ball. So, because we didn't, you only had three players on each team, whatever. So we did stuff like that, bike uh, and biking, building forts. Uh, out of um, uh, At Bel Air, it was out of uh, trees that had been cut for the Bel Air subdivision and cardboard boxes. Talk a little bit about what kind of jobs people had. I mean, you mentioned the stores, and certainly there was the retail at the time. Where, where did people work? Where did, you know, your parents work? Well, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. My dad had a wrecking yard. Uh, it was called Al's Auto Wreckers, and it was right on the river. Uh, of course, the days of a wrecking yard on the river right. are gone, but that's what he had. Uh, most of the people I knew uh, worked in the uh, industries such as um, Rough Riders. Uh, it made... Um, Pendleton shirts and things like that. There was a glove factory. There was Kaiser Steel Fabrication Plant, which as I grew older, I would work there in the summers for very good money that helped me uh, go to college. And then there was basalt rock. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was, it wasn't the wine industry as it is now by any means. Right. Was there any sense of a wine industry back then? I remember. I mean, there were were elements of it, but 
were you aware of it? Were people aware of it? It wasn't really uh, no, prominent we, in any way. Yeah, we 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 were um, prune picking in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know my history as well as I should, but w- many. Uh, decades ago there were vineyards but then i guess with disease and prohibition and things right. of that nature then it became prune picking for years um, as far as the wineries i just remember charles krug Beringer, and christian brothers which right. is the cia right you went off to college you went to law school how did you decide when did you decide that you wanted to come back to napa i, th- I think i I think I always uh, did. Um, after law school, I just wanted to get a job, and I got a job in Stockton as a young public defender, which was really good trial experience because you're in court all the time, every day, and you're doing lots of trials. So you know where to stand in a court. You know how to try a case. And then after enough experience, um, which was three years for me, I, I felt it was time to go home. I wanted to go home because at least I had some uh, friends and a base of what I thought would be clientele. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to go off to the big city. No, no, I never did. What about other kids, other kids that you grew up with? Did they want to come back to Napa? Did they stay? Did they go off to the cities? Uh, well, they they spread out, but many of them are still here. And so, um, you know, I just caught up with all of them. Right, we still I mean, see each other. Right, it's interesting, and you mentioned it in conjunction with reminiscing about, yeah. about the old days. People did come back home. I mean, yeah. now kids go off, and it's very rare that they come back. I think you're right. Yes, talk about being the squeeze box kid. Yeah, I, I started. Uh, if if you were Italian, you uh, it seemed like everybody played the accordion for a while, and um, I started when I was five years old, and um, took lessons for years. And, and then, um, you know, the accordion wasn't exactly the cool instrument after uh, Elvis and, and rock and roll and all that. But I, I still played it, and I um, played it uh, as I got to be a teenager in a band. Uh, I mainly just courted behind the uh, trumpet player. We had a, a, an outstanding, exceptionally talented trumpet player. And with a bass and drum, we were a little combo that older people like. We played old standards and got hired a lot for uh, union wages. So my Kaiser Steel working in the summers with union wages in music, I really uh, could bank a lot of money. Which got you to law school and through yes. law school. Where'd yeah. you go to law school? Uh, at Hastings oh, uh, in San Francisco. Right. That's right. Yeah. The city of San Francisco didn't have any lure. That wasn't drawing you back to, to stay there. No, I... I never uh, cared for the city uh, in the times I visited. It always seemed to me overcast and foggy and and, <laughs> right. and, and a, for my personality, I guess, a little depressing right. and too, too citified. It was, mm-hmm. where was I going to ride my bike? I mean, <laughs> right. thinking about it. Where was Hastings in the city then? So it, it was a different place than it is now, it, I know. It was in the, it was in the, it wasn't far from the, uh, Hall of Justice, but right. in that area there was the Tenderloin, so we, it was hard to uh, to get good housing that didn't cost you an arm and a leg. Talk a little bit about restaurants, places people went for entertainment. What did people do for fun? Uh, in Napa? In Napa, yeah, it, back you know, in those I, days. I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but even as a young uh, kid, I can talk about that because my dad loved to go out. So we probably went to, uh, unlike a lot of families who just didn't do it uh, they he would take us out probably every Sunday evening and so there was um, 
The Depot, one of my all-time favorites, uh, with Clementi, and and before that, um, the sisters that started it. And then there was a Napa Valley Inn, um, and there was um, uh, Rafino's Restaurant, and the airport, and, uh, you know, those were kind of, I'm probably leaving some big thing out, but Jonesy's at the airport, yeah, and um, there was a place I love called the Hickory Pit, and where was that? That was over by Food uh, Food Fair, Food City. Aha, uh-huh, right, off of Old Sonoma Road. Yeah, yeah, right there. Loved it. Um, the man had two daughters that worked there as wait- waitresses, and I think when they grew up, I think he had to shut it down. When did you decide you wanted to be a lawyer? Uh, that was fairly early on. Mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, from my dad's wrecking yard, I was convinced I was allergic to physical labor, <laughs> and so. I, <laughs> And I didn't have a good math brain, and so I thought I'd go into business and then law school. Mm-hmm. And did you think then that you wanted to be a judge? Uh, no, no, that? I don't think I thought that. No. Uh, I don't think I ever gave that much choice. I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't think about that until I started uh, volunteering as a judge pro tem, mm-hmm. doing small claims uh, for the— sitting judges. And then I thought, hey, this is pretty nice. When you came back to Napa as a lawyer, what kind of uh, work did you, I mean, were you doing criminal cases? Were you doing, you mentioned you were public, you know, do public defender and some things. What, what were you doing primarily? Yeah, uh, that's And good. how big was the bar in Napa at that point? The, jeez, uh, uh, it, it was pretty small uh, still. I mean, not, you know, it was, I don't know, 50 lawyers, maybe maybe 50 active lawyers there mm-hmm. may have been a, a hundred in the whole bar but they were right. people that had retired and uh but yeah probably about 50 um somewhere there and uh as a young lawyer coming back um i did have a criminal defense background so that's where uh joe peatman again uh, introduced me to judge shiflet and told him please give him some criminal appointments uh, so to keep him from starving, uh, which was a nice thing, and I've always been indebted to him for doing that. Uh, my mom used to babysit his children, Joe Peatman, so right. we were family friends. And then in addition, uh, we did family law, divorces, right. dissolution of marriage. Uh, we did that because there was so many in, in, in the county, and I don't know why, but if you wanted to pay your light bill, you better do family law. To some degree, I think that may still be true today, but there was lots of family law and lots of um, uh, criminal defense appointments, and um, uh, and Judge Consgard would ha- have me do mental illness appointments where I would uh, represent uh, a patient at the state hospital. I was right across the street from the superior court, so if a lawyer didn't show, he'd, he'd have his secretary call me, and I'd just come over and get 50 bucks. <laughs> so, but, uh, so those are the things we did, and then... It evolved where um, Judge Quigley decided to run for judge, and he gave me his wills. And so I stored his wills, which was an instant probate practice, plus I had been writing my own wills. And then a man named Tony Intentally decided to uh, 
become the mayor of Vallejo, Vallejo and right. he gave me his wills. So I was like inheriting these wills, uh, not legally inheriting, right. but sure. getting these wills. So we had sort of a, an instant uh, probate practice. It was very lucrative. Mm-hmm. And were you practicing on your own at that point? Did you have partners? I, I did. I had partners. I, I uh, came over here with um, a young attorney named Lou Gasper, Louis Gasper, um, but uh, Lou uh, died on my 32nd birthday, so wow. he, it was tragic. And, and then I had my lifelong friend, Joe Flax, uh, as a partner, too. Joe was from Napa. He was a couple years older than me, and he uh, was a, a high school hero athlete. He was just, he's in the in the Hall of Fame, and so he came over, and um, um, that was our that was our firm initially, and then we expanded after that. How different was it because you grew up here? Because you know a little bit as as you're talking about, you knew everybody at a certain point. Certainly, everybody that grew up here came back here, had family here. And then all of a sudden, at some point, you're a judge here, and you're seeing all these people, or a lot of them, come through the courtroom. Talk a little bit about that part yeah, of the experience. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, and that's that's true. Uh, if if um, someone you knew um, uh, became a defendant in your courtroom, I'm talking about criminal law now, mm-hmm. um, and you have to search inside yourself if you can be fair or not, and if you think there's the slightest... Uh, uh, inclination to either uh, go easy on the person or go or bend over backwards and go too right. hard, uh, you shouldn't hear the case. It, but you have to balance that with the judicial uh, canons, which say you must hear as many cases as you possibly can. So you're always balancing that. And the same thing with civil cases. Someone right. co- would come in on maybe someone I know, and and he's evicting someone, or he's being evicted. Right. And you'd have, and if if you couldn't, we would. We would recuse ourselves, and another judge would hear it. But you you had to deal with that more than, you know, a judge that hadn't been here for quite as long. As, as Pro- yeah, probably. Because you knew so many people. Right, right. That's true. When you see Napa today, you, you mentioned before you, you embrace the change that's going on. You know, for so long— People, you you know, fought the change. You know, the current change. We're yes, talking yeah, about redevelopment. Yeah. There were a lot of people that that didn't want it to become, you know, a world class city. Didn't want the wine industry to, to take hold, the tourism industry the way it yeah. did. Talk about how you see Napa today. Well, I, I I do see it with as we were saying, Jeff. The industries that my parents' generation were working at there. They're gone now, and the and the the attractive industries now are tourism, and the wine industry, and um, I just think it's real uh, exciting. My my uh, daughters or their families or their uh, extended families um, enjoy wine. Talk, get, they learn. They've learned about it. They understand it. And um, I, I'm a I'm a usually the designated driver. Um, but uh, it's just fun for me to see uh, how interesting that field is. And I love, of course, to eat. So <laughs> I love the restaurants that have come in. You weren't one of those people that just railed against all the change. They closed Brewster's. They're never going to reopen it again. Nah, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, you, you picked Brewster's. <laughs> I loved Brewster's. Everybody I, always loved uh, Brewster's. I, I bought a, a U.S. Marine Corps machete and a bayonet. Uh, this is when Brewster's was down the street. And uh, the mayor, Mayor Greco's brother, I think, Harry Greco, 
nice man worked there as when I was a little kid. And they would sell you all this World War II surplus stuff, gas masks. I, I love that store. It's like a toy store. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Kids and time. even when you got older, it was a toy <laughs> store. for. So, yeah, um, I, I railed against some of that. No, please don't close it. <laughs> but I try to be understanding. Raymond Gadani, I thank you so much for coming in and sharing some of this. The book is The Adventures of the Squeezebox Kid, and we should mention you're doing an event at the library coming up on the 22nd. It's on Wednesday the 22nd at 7 p.m. at the Napa Main Library talking about some of this, and people have an opportunity to ask you about the old days, and maybe some people show up that you knew from those days. I hope so. (laughs) Old friends will visit. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing with us. Thank you very much, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.